Hope you had a great holiday. We're back at it again here on the Rural Radio Network. Post-Christmas as we are rushing as fast as we can toward 2018. And this is the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Dirk Christensen. And I understand that you were able to provide a pretty nice surprise for someone in your family, Susan. I was. We, My sister and I kept a secret for weeks. Had my mom convinced I was out of state for work. Mm-hmm. And uh, when she showed up at my sister's house yesterday mid-morning, we were kind of snickering because we were sitting on the couch and she didn't recognize us until about the fourth package had been carried in and... <laughs> She turned around with this big package, asking where she should put it, and she saw us, and the look on her face said it all. Oh, my heavens. That is so cool. What a neat surprise. It was. It Uh, really was. uh Jason, did you have a good one? Quiet. No no complaints. Yeah. Got a Darth Vader coffee mug. Hey! Can't beat that. No, not not (laughs) unless it was, you know, like Kenny Rogers dressed as Darth Vader. True. Yeah. And Bob Brogan, how'd it go for you? I got another sweater vest, and now I've got about a thousand. <laughs> but actually, I like sweater vests. Yeah, I'm one do. of the few people on the face of the earth that does. Yeah, and I'll tell you something else. You're one of the few people who can pull it off in, in the 2000s. Well, <laughs> I don't know how to. I don't know what to say right, about Bob. that. Uh, and I understand we're getting ready to start our big gag countdown to 2018, Susan. We are, and that's going to be um, every day at one seventeen. Uh, Bryce and I have been spending the morning finding some great extra audio to the stuff he had already put together. So we're going to kind of look at some of the top ag stories we're going to bring you back over the last year. There's also a Twitter poll asking you what you think the top story for Nebraska agriculture, just agriculture in general is. You can find that over on our Twitter page. Coming up at uh, 12.19, Dewey will catch up with the folks at Water Street Solutions, and then I've got a few experts joining me at 12.45 as we look at last week's hogs and pigs report. But more importantly, what does it mean to the consumer and pork prices? Mm-hmm. All right. Probably a lot of importance there for people to listen to. Thanks very okay. much. Appreciate it. No problem. Jason Jorgensen on sports. Those Huskers getting ready. I'm, I'm sorry, the uh, not Huskers, the Husker coach is getting ready That's for true. his big bowl game. They continue to uh, get set for the big Peach Bowl matchup. Scott Frost will coach in that. Speaking of bowls, there are three bowl games today. The last one tonight is the Cactus Bowl. As Kansas State will score off against UCLA. And it is a, I don't know, question we ask every year. Will Bill Snyder will be will he be back? Yeah. He's 78. Of course, he has fought through some health issues, but the Wildcats started to play better at the end of this past season. We'll get his thoughts on that. Of course, he was asked within the last week, will this be your final game? Mm-hmm. Also, uh, two more bowl games this afternoon. A couple of uh, NFL games yesterday. One was a huge blowout. It's Pittsburgh blew out Houston. And then an ugly game last night that the Eagles were able to win over the Raiders. They're 13-2. That locks up a home field advantage for them. Yeah, all right. Very good. We'll listen for it. And Bob Brogan on business. Technology stocks leading index is mostly lower in midday trading. Also, uh, home prices up from a year ago. I guess that's kind of a little positive thing if you're out there doing a little home shopping. Maybe you're not so happy about that. But also retailers optimistic as they brace for the day after christmas crowd so a lot of excitement out there you know going out there and some people are looking for bargains even after uh, after mm-hmm. christmas there's a lot of people who decide to do all their christmas shopping the day after mm-hmm. that's how it works and this is how it works on midday from the rural radio network 
Paul Perkins in for our ag weather, which is brought to you today by Coolman Repair. Looks like Mother Nature didn't necessarily give us the present that we wanted for Christmas, but certainly maybe after that November and December up to this point, the one we deserved. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, we're paying for all those nice temperatures. Uh, Thanksgiving, remember we had record highs in the mm-hmm. 70s, but a uh, different story for Christmas this time of year. Much different. Many people wanting the white Christmas, and we got it. Usually we only see a white Christmas about 40% of the time where there's about four inches of snow on the ground. So mm-hmm. we beat the odds. And right now, very chilly temperatures across the area. The wind chill still at 5 to 10 below in many locations. In Nebraska, the actual air temperature in the low single digits currently. Otherwise, we're seeing some mid to upper single digits over much of northern Kansas. We'll get that reinforcing shot of cold air today off of some high pressure that's currently over the Dakotas. That will keep our temperatures on the chilly side once again. Skies will clear a little bit more for tonight, and winds will turn to the south as that high pressure pushes southeast. Those more clear skies will allow plenty of cooling and temperatures dropping below zero region-wide. A lot of locations dropped below zero last night will be even more so for tonight with the even colder air moving into the region. A warm front pushes into the west for tomorrow through Friday. Now that front going to be the divider between much milder air to the west and still some very chilly air in the central and east. We will see a slight improvement in our temperatures in the central and east thanks to some south winds, but the much milder temperatures will be across western Nebraska, southwest Nebraska, into western Kansas. Now, in the long-term forecast, if you're looking for relief from the cold, you will start to find it in the later periods. The temperature forecast for Nebraska and Kansas starts out colder than normal early next week. That includes this New Year's Day weekend. Temperatures closer to near normal or seasonal are now starting to show up in the forecast for Nebraska and Kansas the middle of next week through January 8th. That precipitation forecast for Nebraska and Kansas calls for near-normal precipitation early next week. Then we start to trend below normal moisture the middle of next week through January 8th. The weather factors driving the markets include beneficial rain for Brazil, varying conditions in Argentina, and rain for soft red winter wheat in the eastern Midwest and Delta. Cold weather will persist into the new year from the plains eastward late in the week. Warmth will briefly return to the southern plains in advance of another Arctic cold front. That cold front expected across the plains and Midwest over the weekend and will be trailed by the coldest air of the season for many locations. That cold may also be accompanied by widespread snow, possibly deep into the south. Wheat in the southern plains is an easing into dormancy right now with this cold air. Chances for precipitation, though, remain low in the next 10 days in the southern plains wheat areas. A different story in the southeast Midwest and Delta, where heavy rain is recharging the soil moisture for some soft red winter wheat. That happened over the weekend. Near normal to mostly below normal precipitation expected in that 6-10 to 10 day outlook. For Argentina, periodic thunder showers are keeping conditions favorable for Santa Fe and also towards northeast Buenos Aires. There has been some very hot weather, but that continues to be offset by these periodic rains. Southwest growing areas of Argentina continue to trend drier and will be hotter. The rainy season in northern Brazil is keeping the crop weather favorable. In southern Brazil, weekend rain eased any of the concerns that arose the past week for two for some hotter and drier weather. Looking at some of the uh, screen 
displays here for the one, twos, and threes. Did you see a, a, a high snow depth for any place in Nebraska? A lot, of, uh, like within the last uh, couple hours, only about one or last twenty four hours, about one to two inches is the most. You know, and okay. we did over the weekend many locations getting upwards of five inches of snow with that Total. system. Okay. Yeah, so we're probably many locations probably sitting with about six to seven inches of snow on the ground. Right. Still looking pretty cool as we move on into the New Year's holiday. Yeah, maybe some break from this cold as we head towards the middle of next week. Just uh, on the chilly side, still for maybe the next week here. All right. Very good. Our ag weather is brought to you by Coolman Repair. And if you got a new smartphone, whether it's an Android or an iPhone, you might want to go and get that app. It's got all kinds of weather for you. When you need weather anytime, you can also check KRVN.com. Food Marketing Institute official to staff. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Rob Rizzotto is a Food Marketing Institute's Government Relations Director, is moving to the Senate Ag Committee, working on nutrition, specialty crops, and organic issues. The committee chairman, Pat Roberts, said he's pleased to announce another great addition to the committee staff. Rob's experience and perspective on nutrition issues will be key in the upcoming Farm Bill reauthorization. As FMI's Director of Government Relations for seven years, he handled food safety, menu labeling, nutrition, the Farm Bill, and agricultural policy for the trade group that represented the food retailers. Congress spent the few final weeks of the year addressing legislation that benefits dairy farmers. Starting with the tax bill, the legislation means lower taxes for dairy farmers. However, that wasn't the case in the original legislation. According to the National Milk Producers Federation spokesperson, Chris Galen. Certainly, the lower income tax rates will be a benefit to a lot of different aspects of our economy, including agriculture. The thing that we worked on successfully for our members during this whole debate is that the Section 199 deduction, what's called the Domestic Production Activities Deduction, was eliminated as part of the whole reform effort. The problem with eliminating the Section 199 deduction is that the proceeds from agricultural products that are marketed through co-ops are deducted in many cases, both by the co-ops as well as by the farmers themselves. And so eliminating that could have resulted in a higher tax bill for farmers. While the Section 199 deduction was eliminated in the approved version of the bill, it does include a new deduction that will take its place. So one of the things that we did here in the past month is to negotiate with members of the House and Senate, point out that, hey, in a year coming up when agricultural commodity prices are going to be down across the board, we don't need to see this tax measure actually resulting in a higher tax bill for America's farmers and ranchers. So what happened is that in the final version of the legislation, although the DPAD is eliminated, there's a new 20% deduction on gross income payments for farmers and cooperatives. And so this is going to be a favorable treatment for the gross income of farmers that should help minimize any potential changes because of the elimination of Section 199. Congress did pass a short-term budget extension, the third since October, to keep the government funded. The House also passed an $80 billion disaster aid bill that includes changes the dairy title on the farm bill. The Senate decided not to consider the bill until January. You can find out more if you like by going to nmpf.org. Well, graduates from the Nebraska College of Technical Agriculture can see college investments paying off when they're checking their payroll deposits. 
In 2017, the College of Curtis, Nebraska, was ranked first in the nation by WalletHub.com for career outcomes when they're compared against other U.S. two-year colleges. That according to Ron Rosetta, the NCTA's dean. He says the career outcome is determined primarily by collecting the ratio of starting salary for graduates to cost of education. Now, default rate on educational loans is also considered to be equivalent by national firms. The bottom line for students and their families is that NCTA is providing high-quality academic programs with a focus on hands-on learning that does so at a very affordable overall cost. The nation's recognition is one of many received by the college in 2017, documented with the faculty and staff at NCTA are doing an outstanding job accomplishing the mission. That's a look at your agricultural news. Make it a great rest of your day. This is in Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Facing financial reality on the farm. That's our topic with Jason Ladman, director with Water Street Solutions. So, first of all, what does that mean, Jason, facing financial reality? Well, our farm business, like life in general, can throw us various challenges and curveballs. And whether they're big or small, they can sometimes catch us off guard. And we might be reluctant to think very much about what happened or try to gain any sort of perspective on it, especially if we're still caught up in that exact moment. But when problems and curveballs come up on our farm, we may not always have control over what's happening. But we do always have a say in something else, and that is what our response will be. And depending on our personality, we may have a typical pattern when it comes to how we respond to a problem or challenge. We might want to analyze or think for days or weeks on end about the various options to solve it. Analysis paralysis, as many have coined it. Or we might have a knee-jerk opinion or judgment about it and develop an immediate course of reaction to counter the event. Or we may maybe we decide not to think about it at all and we just simply dive deeper into some other aspect of the farm that we love to work on and we take the attitude of out of sight, out of mind. We may have any number of different responses depending on our personality, the nature of the problem, the circumstances surrounding it, and the level of importance we place upon it. We're talking with Jason Ladman, Water Street Solutions. How can this play out on the farm? Well, it can be tough to predict how we'll respond to any given situation that can come up in our farm business. But for the most part, we generally know how we are going to react to certain situations. And despite how you might respond, keeping a calm head and implementing the correct thinking for the situation can make a difference in the outcome you expect. For example, breaking a leg versus breaking a nail requires different urgency and a different plan of action. And the same can be said when dealing with financial issues on the farm. How we respond to last year's results can dramatically impact our mindset for planning for the next year. Now, the first and the best way of facing a potential problem around the next crop year's financial outlook is to be objective and to right-size the reality of the situation. Don't make it something bigger or smaller than it really is. And this can sometimes be the toughest part, especially if the outlook is less than ideal. No matter what the case is, if we feel we don't have a good understanding of our situation, we can slip into a level of distress. And the anxiety and tension that mounts from not knowing the farm's actual situation can sometimes be worse than finding out what reality actually looks like. And really, at the end of the day, it may not be nearly as bad as we've made it out to be in our minds. Jason, how does it help to see what reality looks like? Well, finding out the actual truth of the situation gives us the opportunity to decide to face it head-on and to take action to improve things. Taking the reins of our operation as the leader and making decisions 
although be it sometimes very tough decisions, is our chance to meet challenges in a positive way. And action is the key here. The only real alternative to that is sitting back and hoping that everything will turn out all right. And in today's environment, that's a risky venture and one that many landers would not support. So here's the question of the day. What is your tendency when a curveball comes at you and your farm business? Knowing those tendencies, what can you be doing differently when it comes to understanding your operation? And what measures are you taking to minimize curveballs or, more importantly, the impact that unforeseen events have on your operation? Now, if you'd like to talk more about how to implement this level of understanding and create plans to help proactively handle potential challenges, please give us a call. We'd love to visit with you. And if you want more information about this or any other topic, go to waterstreet.org or call this number, 866-249-2528. Our guest today, Jason Leidman, Director, Water Street Solutions. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. And it's time for us to check in on sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, Kansas State coach Bill Snyder could be coaching this final game when the Wildcats face off against UCLA in the Cactus Bowl tonight. 78-year-old coach has not decided whether he wants to return for a 27th season or retire again to spend more time with his family. Same things that I've always talked about. You know, I've had... uh... You know, some dialogue. I need to have more dialogue with my family. Uh, I've had uh, dialogue with our administration, and I need a little bit more dialogue with them. And I, you know, just as far as uh, you know, the people in our program, the, you know, players, etc. You know, I have to assess, which I haven't done. You know. Tonight's game will kick off at eight. The Wildcats started to play much better in the last half of the season and qualified for the postseason. Two more bowl games are taking place uh, this afternoon in just a few minutes. It's the heart of Dallas Bowl as West Virginia battles Utah, and the Quick Lane Bowl later on today in Detroit has Northern Illinois against Duke. That one kicks off at four fifteen Central Time. Dallas Cowboys were eliminated from the NFL playoffs after losing to Seattle on Sunday. Marks a fifth time in his seven full seasons as coach that Jason Garrity's Cowboys will not earn a playoff spot. Although there has been chatter about Garrett's job security, team owner and general manager Jerry Jones assured reporters that he's not looking to make a change. Named the NFL's coach of the year after last season, Garrett has compiled a 67-55 record in his time as Dallas's head coach. In men's college basketball, Villanova has stayed comfortably at number one in the AP Top 25. That offered little change at the top. Four teams stayed the same in this week's poll, led by the Wildcats, who picked up 43 first-place votes. Michigan State is ranked second, and they had 16 first-place votes, while third-ranked Arizona State picked up six first-place votes to stay ahead of fourth-ranked Duke. Those four teams won their six games last week by an average margin of, of almost 40 points per game. And Stanford has fallen out of the Associated Press women's basketball pool for the first time since 2001. Cardinals saw their streak of 312 consecutive weeks in the top 25 come to an end. That remarkable run started with the 2001-2002 preseason poll. Stanford lost at home last week to Western Illinois and Tennessee. Only UConn, which remains the unanimous number one team, has a longer active streak in that poll. That is a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. cloudy skies tonight, lows around 3 below to 8 below zero. I'm Dave Schroeder. The Nebraska Tourism Commission is trying to draw people to great local attractions in the state 
through tourism markers. Roger Jasnock with the Kearney Visitors Bureau explains where the concept came from. It actually came about through legislation that was passed in the 2015 legislative session. Senator Leroy Loudon from the Alliance area passed legislation that basically mirrors the historical markers that you may have seen in your listeners may have seen across the state. Those are obviously subject of historical significance in Nebraska. The tourism markers are more for attractions and natural resources, if you will. We're not trying to take away from anything that the Historical Society is doing, but to simply enhance better direction and information for travelers across our state. Only nonprofit organizations and government entities are eligible to apply for a tourism marker. Applications for tourism markers can be found at visitnebraska.com industry under the Promote Your Attraction link. A Tecama man has died in a crash on a county road in northeast Nebraska's Burt County. It occurred around 1130 Friday morning about three miles southeast of Tecama. Chief Deputy Robert Sparks of the Burt County Sheriff's Office said that 36-year-old Richard Mossberger was alone in the vehicle when it crashed. Sparks says it's believed slick roads, excess of speed, and alcohol use may have been factors in the crash. The certainty surrounding Kansas Governor Sam Brownback's departure after his nationally watched tax experiment came to an end was among the top ten stories in Kansas in 2017. President Donald Trump nominated Brownback for U.S. Ambassador-at-Large for International Religious Freedom at the end of July, but the post was in limbo after the U.S. Senate failed to vote in confirming him before finishing his business for a year, lengthening an already awkward transition to a new governor. Also making the list were prison disturbances, an allegedly racially motivated bar shooting, wildfires, the release of two wrongfully convicted inmates, questions about Kansas's child welfare agency, a closer-than-expected congressional race, and a small-town sexual assault case, as well as the discovery of human remains in a storage unit and a revenue department shooting. We're among the top stories in Kansas for the past year. All the best from the Nebraska Rural Radio Association to your family this holiday season. Reporting from the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. An in-depth look at the quarterly hogs and pigs report. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. On Friday, the USDA released their quarterly hogs and pigs report. Dr. Chris Hurd is a professor of agricultural economics at Purdue University. He gives us an in-depth look at what those numbers had to say. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I talked about record high numbers. I think one of the things we have to recognize is we have a growth industry in the uh, pork side of the uh, industry, and uh, that is very positive. And when we think about the growth orientation, it's not just the domestic side where we're getting population growth near 1%, slightly under, but obviously the export market is very important. So this uh, adds to our ability to expand the herd and expand production in the 2 or 2% a year or maybe somewhat higher. When we're talking about prices, we obviously have to talk not just about the supply side, which we often lament as analysts and spend a lot of time on, but I think the theme for 2017 and 2018 
is going to be always supply, but we're going to talk a lot about demand as well. Let's just hit 2017 as an example. We ended up with about 2.5% greater supply of pork in the market in 2017. But we're going to market that at a farm price about 10% higher prices. Now, generally, when you have higher supplies, you're thinking about somewhat lower prices. And what that says is that we had, at least relative to 2016, a very strong demand year. And as we go back and review 2017, think about demand, and then project for next year, I think we see a lot of the same kind of factors coming into play. Uh, first, as we think about the U.S. economy, did very well this year. We expect it to do even better next year. Uh, in terms of uh, some increase in the uh, growth rates, our unemployment rate dropped to 4.1% towards the tail end this year. Again, a level that's considered to be close to full employment and the highest uh, employment or lowest unemployment since the year 2000. As we go into 2018, uh, we're also expecting, as we have a very tight labor market, and a relatively strong U.S. economy that we're going to see bidding up of wage rates and so not only more people working but a somewhat increased rate of wage rate increase as we go into next year. Dr. Hurt talks about what this means from a consumer's perspective. Uh, you know, I've been talking about I think we can grow in the range of 2.5% if we maintain a strong U.S. economy and if we continue to do as well in the export market. Now, uh, you know, some of the recovery or growth in the industry uh, has come from a result of the transition that we saw from very high feed prices to much lower feed prices so that we could, with the lower feed prices, uh, produce more and still do that profitably. So I think if one goes back to, say, 2014 or 2015, and projects the increase across any of the animal species and says that's the growth rate we can maintain, I think that's a mistake. As we get back to uh, 220 pounds or 222 pounds per capita, as Jim talked about, uh, I think we're really going to have to be cautious across the animal industries of expanding too rapidly. Uh, we've had this advantage of being able to expand because of the adjustment in lower feed prices, but going forward, we're going to have to match our supply increases with what the world is going to eat, the additional they're going to eat. Bob Brown is a market consultant out of Edmond, Oklahoma. He, as well, talks about what this growth will mean to consumers. Wood, I'm just looking at total annual pig crop data from 2008 to 2014, okay, so those six, seven years. Uh, we averaged about 115 million pigs born in the U.S. Okay, since then uh, we we're gonna we're gonna average 126 million. Okay, so a huge leap after we came out of Ped V, and uh, and then in 2018 I'm looking at 134 million pigs. So again, to your original question, every good economist answers it depends. And, and what a large, to a large part, part depends on how much we can export. This year so far, we've exported about 21.7% or thereabouts of our production, of the U.S. production. 
And again, we're not alone in the world. We have this Canadian thing right above us. Their exports are, are substantial, too. We compete against them. But it's very heartening to see, for instance, I'm expecting November uh, exports to be record high, at about 525 million pounds. But it's heartening to see that it's not just the usual suspects. China, of course, can be a huge deal in our markets. We know it can give us severe whiplash. They can take so much product so fast when they need it that it makes a, a really big deal on what can happen to China. Experts sharing their comments on the quarterly Hogs and Pigs report. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Next, we're going to talk with Joe Teal of Great Plains Commodities and visit with him about a livestock futures trade, especially the cattle futures, which soared today. Joe? Yes, sir. Several reasons that we, uh, I think that we uh, had a pretty good day in uh, cattle futures. Number one, we did have a cattle on feed report on Friday, and it was before the close, an hour before uh, basically the close came. And we had an initial reaction down, but then uh, kind of modified that break um, from a bearish report. And then we opened a little bit higher this morning. And I think a lot of it had to do with weather, uh, uh, the cold temperatures, snow around in uh, some of the feeding areas. And uh, that, that kind of got us started. Uh, but uh, what really excited us was the uh, cutout at noon, which was up sharply. Um, and that brought on uh, a real good buying spree. You add in the fact that we were a little bit oversold going into that report and uh, uh, and into the day, so uh, all of it combined for pretty good uh, buying spree that uh, ended up with triple-digit gains right straight across the board for both the cattle and the feeder cattle. So pretty good uh, start after uh, the Christmas holiday. Uh, over in the hogs, we're going to finish mixed there, and I, I really do believe that weather is a is a factor there because of the cold temperatures uh, and, and uh, those conditions uh, brought on steady to a little bit higher uh, cash prices, and that was reflected in the way the market traded triple digit gains out of the February back in a little bit lower. That's from bulls. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Since the beginning of time, mankind has been involved in agriculture. In the early days, hunting and gathering just to survive. Now, less than 2% of the population is directly involved in farming. As each year passes by, farmers and ranchers have seen the good times and have worked through the rough times. Since the Rural Radio Network's inception, we've been there with you, sharing the enjoyment of your success and standing by you during the rough times. As the year 2017 comes to a conclusion, we look back on the last year to revisit the biggest stories that have affected you and your bottom line. From Dicamba drifting to the Trump administration pulling out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, it has been another diverse year in this industry. Today we look back to August when President Donald Trump tapped a Nebraska leader to serve in the USDA. Susan Littlefield spoke with the former Nebraska Department of Agriculture Director moments after the announcement was made. Late Friday night, the word came from President Trump that Greg Ibaugh of Nebraska will be Undersecretary for Agriculture for Marketing and Regulatory Programs pending confirmation of the U.S. Senate. I caught up with Greg during the Nebraska State Fair. 
So I'm very honored to be uh, nominated by um, President Trump to be the Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs at USDA. I'm also uh, very appreciative of the support I've received from Secretary Purdue throughout this process. Also, I'm thankful for the recommendations and support I received from uh, Senator Fisher and Congressman Smith. And I look forward to serving if confirmed by the Senate. USDA's Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs includes Agricultural Marketing Service, Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service, Grain Inspection, Packers and Stockyards Administration. Ahaiba moves swiftly through the nomination process, clearing a committee hearing and then a Senate vote. He was then sworn in as Undersecretary at a ceremony in Omaha. Congratulations, Undersecretary Greg Ahaiba. With Ibaugh finding a new office in Washington, D.C., Nebraska's Governor Pete Ricketts was left to fill the top position at the Nebraska Department of Agriculture. After opening an application, Ricketts named a Syracuse, Nebraska farmer to the position. Well, our new Director of Agriculture, our 27th in our state's history, is Steve Wellman from Syracuse. He's someone who has is in production agriculture. He's actually, he and his kids are fourth generation on the farm, so it's a family operation. He raises soybeans, corn, wheat, alfalfa, some cattle. And one of the things I've always been struck by is just how he's de- uh, demonstrated his leadership. For example, he's been President and Chairman of the American uh, Soybean Association. He was on not only my Ag, ag Advisory Committee, but also President Trump's advisory committee. So he has been really a part of growing agriculture here in the state for a long time. The new director of agriculture says he's ready to get to work. Well, I'm really honored to be the selection by uh, Governor Ricketts to serve as the next director of the Nebraska Department of Agriculture. It's uh, it's a great honor for me. I'm really looking forward to working on behalf of Nebraska Ag, the farmers, the ranchers, the families that are involved every day in production of agriculture, producing great quality products that uh, we want to help promote across the country, uh, across the world, and add value to the products that we're selling. Agriculture has been, been my life the whole time. and. So it it means a lot to me for uh, the success of agriculture for everyone here in the state. Certainly big changes happening both at the federal USDA and here locally in Nebraska at the Nebraska Department of Agriculture. This has been one of the five biggest stories happening in agriculture and affecting your daily lifestyle on the farm or on the ranch. Keep your radio dial tuned in to the Rural Radio Network and we'll continue to bring you the top five biggest stories in agriculture over the 2017 year. I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network, and we're going to talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Story of the day might be the soybean contracts today? Yeah, it really opened up. It was obviously some pent-up buying after the three-day weekend, uh, opened in a good mood. I think we popped about 12 cents just right on the open and then kind of settled back into a range uh, up 8 to 10 as the day went on. This is January delivery, so next couple of days we'll, I think, uh, as I mentioned, always rubber meets road time. It's where the futures become the present, and those who really want beans, I think they'll step up and show themselves. So it might be a, a good time to see you know, what the, uh, the demand looks like out there for the futures contracts at large, and um, you know, 960 soybeans has been kind of a magnet for the last year as far as price goes, and I expect uh, a good good level of support below these prices. Maybe the soybean meal also had something to do with this. Yeah, meal, I mean, we want to see meal lead this higher. Um, but, again, I, I really don't put too much behind it other than just a three-day weekend, some spent-up demand. I think funds are looking to short some, or cover some short positions here into the end of the week. So we've got some resistance levels on the on the Kansas City wheat. Oh, we'll call it 455. 
on the uh, on the July contract, and then oh, I'm looking at March corn anywhere between 453 and 456. We haven't been above that level on a front month contract in a while. I wouldn't be shocked to see us run there this week, but I wouldn't get bullish on these rallies. I think uh, shorter term, you know, markets are probably going to be more slow to sideways. I think longer run though. Uh, we do see a push up into, say, 365, 370 to try to entice some March delivery. March, uh, I should say, Mar- um, the March and May and July contracts, Kansas City wheat, uh, fell today. And yet uh, the weather forecast says maybe possible winter kill down the road. I guess. I don't know. Winter kill is usually a good fade rally in, in, in the last couple of years. That said, I don't think these prices are, are done going up yet. It's, uh, you know, unfortunately for where we are in the U.S., as far as our pricing goes, we're more looking for a Russian wheat problem. And right now there isn't a whole lot out there that we can kind of lean our hat on. But it is the time of the year where, uh, you know, a lot of these big funds out, uh, you know, looking for some diversification and looking to play cold weather trades. They will play the wheat market. So I think today was just more of a result of spreading uh, markets very aimless in the wheat markets and and and, uh, and for corn as well. I, but I look for better days here um, as the export markets start to crank up and they'll start to return from South America to our shores as we get into the first quarter. So this week I wouldn't put much into the, uh, the, the price action other than the outside markets rallying. And not a lot of traders in the market uh, today or this week, right? Very slow. Very All right. Thanks, John. Contact Daniels Ag Marketing at danielsagmarketing.com. We've been talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago.